You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your own authority, you name it, you've come to the right place. That's what we do. We take your calls and we answer your questions about all of those topics and more. I like to say the show is all about helping you be a better you. Uh, I like the philosophy of can I, C-A-N-I, can I, constant and never-ending improvement. Getting a little bit better in all the areas that are important to you. So sit down and make a list. What, What things are important to you? Is your business important? Are your relationships important? Is your health important? Yeah, you know what? Your your health, I think, has to be number one. Everything else revolves around that. Is uh, you know your your personal finances or your money? It's that important. Your spirituality. Make a list of all the things in your life that are important, and then think about what you've done lately to make those areas better, to get better in those areas? What have you done lately to improve your relationships? What have you done lately to improve your health? What are you doing every day to improve your health? Now, the beauty of this idea, this constant and never-ending improvement, to a lot of people, they think it sounds like a lot of work. But honestly, it's the opposite. Once you start doing this, and, and when we're we're talking about tiny, tiny little changes that you do consistently over time. And that's the only way anybody ever accomplishes anything, by the way. You know, from the outside looking in, many times we think people are overnight successes or this company came out of nowhere, but it doesn't happen that way. It takes decades usually. Even people who succeed in just years are pretty rare. It usually takes decades to get really good at something. You know, uh, one of the books that I've read, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, talks about how how to really master something, become, you know, in the top 1% of anything. And he says it takes about 10,000 hours of practice or 10,000 hours of doing what it is you want to get good at to make it to the very top. But he said, the good news is, even without any talent at all. If you're just willing to put in the time, you can get there. And that's really what we're talking about is just little tiny improvements every day done over time, nothing major. This is actually a a, a great philosophy because it's pretty simple to do. So sit down, make a list for health, for example. Don't, you know, one of the mistakes I see people make, and I've made it a thousand times, is I, I want to improve something and I try to do too much too fast and it gets frustrating and it gets hard. So you quit. But if you make little tiny changes, let me give you an example. 
I know a lot of drivers who drink a lot of diet soda. I seriously, that stuff is poison. I think you're probably better off drinking the real soda, but that's not a good idea either. Honestly, the only beverage we need is water. Now, here's the thing. If you drink three or four or five diet sodas a day or just one or two, don't try to cut them out completely. Don't go to all water. What if you just replaced one diet soda a day with water? And what if you did that for a month? And then the next month, you replace two of the diet sodas a day with just water. See where we're going here? And, and what if it took you six months to eliminate diet soda out of your diet? Look back six months ago. What were you doing? You were still doing the bad habit, whatever it was. Look back six years ago. You might have been doing this bad habit. So nothing's changed in six years or however long it's been. So what if it takes you six months to make an improvement? That's the beauty of this. It doesn't have to be difficult. You don't have to make major changes. You know, in, in some of the Facebook groups about cooking healthy, everybody has an opinion about food, and I get it. And, and there's so many different theories out there. You should eat meat. You shouldn't eat meat. You should eat paleo. You should eat vegan. You should, you know, skip this. You should never eat that. I, I don't believe in most of that stuff, but that's just me. Everybody has their own opinions. I don't like diets, period. I don't like, you know, being told I can't eat something. So I give myself permission to eat anything. I just try to make sure that I add certain healthy foods to my diet every day. And if you eat enough healthy foods, then any time left and you're not hungry really to eat the unhealthy foods as often. Now, I, I didn't switch overnight. I made slow changes and I didn't do it by saying I'm going to stop eating potato chips or I'm going to stop eating cookies or, or whatever it is. I didn't say I'm going to stop eating anything. What I did was I decided to have a certain food every day. For example, I'll eat a, a half a cup of almonds every day. I'll eat a half of an avocado every day. Uh, I'll, I'll keep adding good foods so it doesn't feel like you're taking anything away. You're adding something and that's much easier to do when you don't feel like you're taking things away. So you can apply this to money. You can apply it to your health. You can apply it to relationships. The trick here to making this work is finding a good way to measure your results over long periods of time. And then don't get too crazy about the measurement, but have a way, clear way to measure. Uh, for example, in health, the number I think people should track really is body fat, not so much weight or even BMI. I don't like BMI at all, but I think you should track your percentage of body fat. and. You know, if you could reduce your percentage of body fat 10% in one year, that would be huge. That is a, a tremendous improvement in health, and there's a clear way to measure it. 
So you can either use some of the new scales that are on the market uh, to measure body fat. If you belong to a gym, uh, most gyms have some devices and, and they can help you. The, the most accurate device uh, for doing this that's available commercially is called the Bod Pod. Very cool. Takes like 30 seconds. If you can find one, a lot of times you can find them at universities. Uh, I just Googled Bod Pod in Portland and I found several in universities and uh, I found a chiropractor that had one. So uh, we went and did it. It measures your body fat content, measures your lean muscle mass. Those are the track. Now, here's the thing. I'm really, I only want to see that number about once a quarter. So we went and got measured, got the baseline. I'll do my thing in three months. We'll go back and measure again and see how we're doing. And, you know, my goal on body fat was to lose 5% body fat in six months because mine was already relatively low. 10% would be, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to do 20% uh, body fat in six months. And I think I can do that because I'm not talking about a lot of body fat because mine is fairly low already. So 20% for me is not a big deal. Uh, for some people, if your body fat is already really high, maybe shooting for 10% would be a better goal, easier to reach. And as long as you're moving in the right direction, a little bit every day, it's a much more effective way of getting to your goals. We, we tend to do too much and then it gets too difficult and we don't see results quick enough and we expect too much and then we quit. And instead, the idea is make tiny little changes and stick to it. So like any show, we can talk about whatever you want. But if you have some areas in your life that you'd like to improve, call me and let's talk about it. And we'll figure out what what could we measure to see the improvement and what tiny little change can you make to get started on this? Because that's all you have to do. You know, it's nice to have a goal and you should have a goal, but you don't have to have an entire plan step by step of how you're going to get to that goal. Set the goal and then pick one thing to get you started. And if you're having trouble with that, by all means, give me a call and I'll help you out. We'll get you unstuck. We'll get you started and we'll get you on that road to constant and never ending improvement. Stick around. I'm going to get to a break. When we come back, we'll get right to your phone calls. The website is letstruck.com. I'm Kevin Rothbard.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get right to some phone calls. Let's go to Texas. Cheryl, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. What can I help you with? I uh, got a couple things. Um, I've got a metaphor to share on the making small changes to improve our lives. Yeah. I heard it in this lecture series about lifelong health at any age. And he talks about how with one degree of change, if you take a ship and a ship's on course, six months down the road, they get to their destination. If they get off by one degree, you know, the next day they may not be that far off course, but as time goes on, they're going to be, you know, in another part of the world. And yeah. So just it, a little change will net, net results down the road. Yeah. I've also seen statistics like the space shuttle when it's launched on a mission is off course, like 97% of the time. It's, it's always wow. off course and the computer is constantly making little tiny adjustments to keep it on course. There, there's oh, another okay. great, great diagram of this because the idea is we, we can never sit still. Nothing could stay the same day after day after day. Everything is in motion and everything is changing. So your life, and, and we can look at any area, whether it's money, fitness, relationships, whatever, if you were to draw a straight line across the paper, your life could never stay on that line. It's either getting better or it's getting worse. The problem is it's such tiny little changes that we don't notice them. We don't measure them. But if uh -huh. you follow somebody who's not doing the right things every day, they would start to drop down below that line. And over time, they'll get farther and farther away from it. But if you watch somebody who is doing the right things every day, they start to gradually come up over the line and that distance gets bigger and bigger. And, and every okay. time I see what it reminds me of is every time I hear somebody say the middle class is disappearing, people are either getting richer the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. We hear that all the time. It's because it's true, because we don't yeah. stay in place. We, we're moving in one direction or the other. And, and the unfortunate thing is it's only about 5% of the population that's getting better all the time. It's about 95% who struggles and isn't happy. Uh, and, and so it, it but it, when you look at the difference, we all have 24 hours a day. We all have basically the same things at our disposal, all the same books we could read, all the same seminars we could go to. Why is it that 5% of the population does so well and 95% struggle? And, and the, the, the problem is we keep looking for something big and there is nothing big. It's just the little things you do every day. 100% behind that. And uh, I got uh, I got my uh, stop holding the steering wheel program yesterday in the mail, ripped it to MP3, stuck it on my phone. And I'm already listening. <laughs> but uh, Lisa should have handed you a printout of some kind uh, with some information on a truck that uh, we came across. Wanted yep. to get your input on it. You know, it my like own, had I, a lot of work done to it, and I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, it's good. I mean, the, the work is, it's stuff we would expect on a truck that is going on 15 years old and has 850,000 miles. So there's a lot about this truck that I really like. It's a T2000 okay. um, and it's a 2000 model year. So we're well before emissions. No worries there. 
the the Kenworths really hold up nice. I mean, they're a quality truck, so the interiors stay nice. It's a good choice when you're looking at older trucks. It's got an N14, just that's a rock solid engine. Uh, 13 I was wondering, I couldn't remember. I knew like the 12 7 back then you were fond of, but I didn't know about that N14. Okay. You know, the 12 7 probably my favorite. And then after that, um, the difference between an N14 or a, or a Cat, a 6NZ, you know, they both have their advantages. Uh, neither one of them will get quite the fuel economy a 12 7 would, but close enough. Um, okay. and, and maintaining an N14 was really simple. Parts are inexpensive okay. to work on. So I like all the specs. The one thing I'm a little concerned about, um, I see that we've got a new engine harness, a um, lot of little stuff, new starter radiator, brakes. That's all excellent. New, new clutch. New um, cab. <laughs> oh, that's a new cab? Wow. I think that's what it says. I just copy pasted. I mean, the format in the truck paper was just, you know, no punctuation, no spaces, just blah. So I pulled it all out and separated it. And it, so it sounds like it's been in a wreck. So obviously the frame is a concern. Yeah, that's easy enough to, I wouldn't worry too much about that. My biggest concern really is the price and the fact that I don't think this engine's had an in-frame yet. Okay. Now, they are saying no blow-by. What that tells us, and that's not true, um, every engine has blow-by. It's a matter of how much, and we measure that by crankcase pressure. So I have a feeling they're just saying they're not seeing smoke and stuff coming out of the blow-by tube, but that doesn't really okay. tell what we need to do. Um, if I were to consider this truck, I'd tell you how I would consider it. I, I would have to do a crankcase pressure test, and that does okay. measure the amount of blow-by and tells us what kind of shape the cylinder kits are in. Now, it does say that it got a new head, new rod, and main bearings, um, but I don't think it's had cylinder kits. Now, 850,000 miles, even if it hasn't had cylinder kits, if it doesn't have a ton of blow-by, you might be able to get another three years out of this engine. Two, I would okay. count on, might be possible. So I would come in pretty aggressively on my first price offer. They're asking 23, I'd be offering 15. And my okay. reason would be, um, unless you can prove to me this thing's had an in-frame, you know, I just don't want to pay any more than that. All right. What kind of one spec they didn't have was the rear end. Look, it's got a 13 speed. What ratio would you like to see on that to, to uh, help boost that N14 a little bit on the fuel economy? We're just looking you know, at dry van for Landstar. Yeah. What your the the most common setup with this and what what I would hope to see would be 370s. 370s. 370s? Would, okay. Yeah. You're. It's going to be either that or. 355s, more than likely one of those two, but it could be something odd. Um, either one of those would be fine. Ultimately, I don't really care much because with the 13 speed, I would eventually go to something like a 279, but it'd be nice if okay. it had, you know, 370s or 355s, which would allow you to drive it, you know, forever for until you wanted to change gears. Okay. Excellent. So if, uh, if they came back, let's say they said, yeah, well, 15, we're filling low balls here. 
what do you think that truck would really be worth to make it, you know, worth going through all that effort to, you know, make sure well, it checks out okay? You know, when I when we go into negotiation, there's, you know, strategies of always know your your opening bid and always know your absolute drop dead, I'm gonna walk away. And exactly. I, I, I would go in with that opening bit of 15 and, you know, other strategies you, when you go talk to them, you make sure you have two other trucks that you're looking at and you can, you know, compare them. So they know you're, you know, shopping the market, lots of little okay. tricks. I would go in at 15 and my drop dead walk away on this one, I think would have to be 18, five. I, I just don't That's see the number I had in my head. <laughs> Yeah, I, I it would have to be about eighteen five is what I okay. would. I, I could get it at that price. I'd be happy. If I couldn't get it at that price, they'd have to really sweeten the deal a lot. Okay, so get the uh, that uh, charge pressure. What did you call it again? I'm I'm driving, so I can't take notes. That's okay. Crankcase uh, pressure. Crankcase pressure, and oh. if they're claiming it's had an in frame, get them to give us uh, documentation. Yep. And then uh, if everything checks out based on what I've learned from, I'll learn from your program, off from 15 with a top dollar of 18.5 in our head. And we might, we, we should have ourselves a, a good start. Yeah. And you know, some of the other tricks I like to use for negotiation is, is if this is a company that has uh, repair facilities or a garage or things like that, if we can't come to a, to an agreement on price. Let's say I'm stuck at 18.5 and they're stuck at 19.5 and nobody wants okay. to get, then I'll start negotiating stuff that doesn't cost them as much as the value I get. So let me okay. explain work. It, if they have a garage, I might negotiate. Um, okay. Since you won't come down that thousand, give me three oil changes for free over the next six months. And, and because right. for you, if you're paying $250 an oil change, that's a $750 value to you, but it doesn't cost them $750. It only right. costs them. A okay. So you could do that with tires. You know, if it doesn't have the tires you want, but you look around their yard and there are other trucks with the tires you want, negotiate a tire swap. It's a huge okay. value for you but it costs them almost nothing. So those right. are the kind of things that, that once we've negotiated price and, and we're kind of stuck, then we can negotiate those other things that can add value, but not cost a lot of money. It's a win-win for everybody. Stick around. We'll be right back. Kevin Ruff. Welcome back. 
I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're going to head to Alabama. Karen, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. On your thing about doing the, on the things that you were talking about, about the changes and stuff, I'm doing it with my health. I mean, my ultimate goal is to be off the high blood pressure medication and the um, that form and for the diabetes. And Excellent. I've taken steps and I've taken steps. I've totally, I mean, I just walked away from the soda and started drinking water. Yeah. You know, some of the changes we can make are really simple. And I, I think the, the biggest mistake people make is they go on these super restrictive diets and it's just too much to change all at once. You know, I, I've tried them and, and I, I don't try them because I think they're going to work. I It's like everything else for me. It's research. I want to be able to say, you know, I've done that. Here is my experience. And I, I just find that the Adkins, Paleo, all of those are, are just so restrictive that you find yourself thinking about food all day long. You find yourself thinking about all the stuff you're not allowed to eat. And it makes you crazy. And it right. certainly doesn't work for me. So I, I don't diet. I just try to add healthier foods. And if you keep doing that, like if you make sure that you drink, you know, 32 ounces of water a day or 16 even, well, that's probably going to mean it's 16 ounces of something else you won't drink. But you don't even have right. to tell yourself, I'm going to cut out sodas because the minute you do that, you start craving sodas. So just tell yourself, hey, I'm going to add, you know, 16 ounces of water every day, no matter what. And the odds are that will eliminate some of the bad habits. So I, I just think it, it, it works much better for us psychologically if we if we go after what we want rather than trying to take away what we shouldn't have. Right. And like with the carbs and stuff, I just it's not that I keep count of them. I just know that I can have roughly 15 to 17 carbs per meal. Yeah. Yeah. So and those- if I, if I want to have, um, let's say a McDonald's hamburger. Okay. I just know that I can't eat the fries with it. Right. And those kind of numbers are good. I mean, that helps us stay on track. You don't have to be a, you know, calorie counting Nazi about it, but it's good to pay attention to those kind of things. You know, one of again, what happens when you start paying attention is you start making little tiny changes. I'll give you an example. Uh, We don't eat, Lisa and I don't eat much fast food at all. Uh, We cook mostly at home because we work at home and it's easy. So, and I'd love to cook. So, it's only if we're, you know, really busy. We had an early morning meeting. We're in the car. You know, we hit a drive through and, and it's not very often. But I noticed that for breakfast, I, you know, I got into a routine. I'd get the breakfast sandwich with sausage and, uh, you know, the mango smoothie because at least it's fruit, but it's loaded with sugar. Uh, and do I really need the sausage? And, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to try their egg white sandwich. And, you know, we'll just see how it is now that they put, you know, jalapenos on any breakfast sandwich. I get the egg white and white cheddar with jalapeno. And I love that sandwich. I like it better than the other one. And it's like a third of the calories and fat. And I don't feel like I'm giving up anything. I like the sandwich better. Right. Right. 
so it just me it just you know I just know that I have to make compromises in order to have the extras. So yeah, exactly. and like you said, I've set a I've set a goal. You know, um, I started this quest in November. When I come off my cruise in April, I'm gonna have my doctor draw my labs again, and I have her draw them every other month. And I see where my A1C is and my, you know, blood pressure and all my blood work and just make sure everything's in line where it needs to be. And hopefully by April, it should be. I mean, I'm on goal to do it. There you go. Good. Now, I've got one more thing. Um, I was going to talk about, you know, you had said in the past about getting prepared and getting ahead of the game when it came to electronic logs. Right. And we've done that by using Big Road. Okay. And I and I have found, okay, that we gain time. Okay. Instead of having to log a fifteen minute fuel stop, really fuel stops usually only take about eight to ten minutes. Okay. That makes um, sense. you know, so you you do gain some time in there. And, and we haven't and had is- any real issues with it and we carry we went and got a printer from Best Buy, and you can print directly from your cell phone directly to the printer. And it's super simple. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. Yeah, and, and you know, my whole point with this was I, I, I can remember a time, and it was over 10 years ago, and I was at one of the big industry events, ATA or TCA, and I was talking with somebody who was one of the top three candidates for the head of ATA at the time, and Bill Graves ended up getting um, the nomination, but one of the top three candidates I was speaking with him, and and we sat down and we talked, and and this was over 10 years ago. And he said, Kevin, look, he said, I spent a lot of time in D.C., and he said, electronic logs are not a matter of if, it's just when. They will come. We don't know when it's going to happen, but, you know, we're not going to avoid this. And every year since then, it, we get closer and closer. We're certainly very, very close now. And my point is, whether you like it or not, isn't the point. If you absolutely hate them and decide that you're not going to stay in the industry, then fine. I mean, when they come along, get out. And I respect that. But if you're going right. to stay, don't just stay and complain about them. Go start using them now before you're forced to because you will learn things just like you're doing. Right. And in, let's say, two years from now, if it goes into effect, okay, can you imagine what customer service is going to be like trying to call in when you've got a problem with them? Exactly. Right. We're already working through all the glitches and the bugs. Right. And, and you'll always have those with new devices, new technology. There's a learning curve. But you're right. Now is the time to get in before it becomes mandatory. The market's going to be a disaster when this happens. So um, I, I think it's a great idea. I think that anybody who's staying in the industry should should get on. And here's the thing. The beauty of getting on them now is you don't have to stick to it. Just start playing around with it so you get an idea of how this works and start learning ways to work with the technology. Let's go to Minnesota. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I really like your intro there. I've actually uh, 
used to drink probably about a 12-pack of soda a day. And wow. I completely cut soda out, and I've gone to Powerade Zeros. Okay, there you go. It still gives me the little bit of sugar that I need, but it's packed with electrolytes and keeps me going. And then uh, I started uh, cooking meals at home and packing them through a microwave in the truck. So I'm not spending $200 a week on food. So I've got both health and uh, financial. Yeah, and I was going to say, not only are you not spending $200 a week, but the food you make at home is so much healthier than the junk on the road. Even the stuff on the road that they tell us is health food uh, is very, very suspect because it's a lot of processed food, a lot of salt. You know, and, and when you cook at home, you can control the quality so much better, and, and the cost is just a huge bonus. You know, you just get things that you use, like Campbell's soup and, and, you know, canned food with preservatives in it, and it actually stays longer. So a lot of meatloaf and uh, lasagna and stuff like that is what I usually take with me. And those are good things that I actually enjoy. So Yeah, excellent. But my question is, I like the way that you talk about Pittsburgh Power balancing out all the pistons and stuff on a rebuild. Uh, pistons and rods and how they balance them and weight. Does microglue also do that? Because I really like the microglue coating idea. You know, uh, they might if you requested it, but I think the way it normally works is they order rebuild kits, coat them, ship them out to the using. I don't know for sure if they do the balancing or not, but it, it would certainly be something you could request if they're not doing it. And I would request it because it, it, it adds some cost. There's no question. There's some time to it, but it's not a lot. Um, no. I would think that you could get them all balanced for a couple hundred bucks and it, it would be worth it. Smoother engine, better fuel economy, everything would add into that. So, Yeah, absolutely. So you know what I would do is I, I would call them uh, and, and just let them know that, you know, we've talked about that. We've done it before and, and uh, just request that they do that. I'm going to get to a break. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, a quick heads up. We're heading into segment four at the end. I'm going to say goodnight. I'm out of here, all that stuff. Hang out because we'll come back and do another hour. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go to Denver. Paul, welcome to the program. How you doing, Kevin? 
Um, I have a quick question or a couple of questions. Um, the main one that I wanted to ask you was, last night I got in on the end of, of the conversation, of the call, um, you were speaking about if owner-operators or uh, we would, a certain percentage of us, if we listen to you on something about money management or money, how to manage our 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 funds, that a certain percentage of us would be successful, and the ones that were skeptical would not. I mean, I I don't I can't remember verbatim what it, what it what it was about because I got in on the end of it. Do you recall that what you were talking about last night? You know, we pre-record the weeknight shows and I've been trying to get ahead because we've got a lot of travel coming up. So I'm going to have to take some days off recording. So it's hard for me to recall what is playing on what night. But I think I remember the conversation and I was talking more about just personal finance. So I've been talking to an owner operator at the time, but the topic really applies to everybody, whether you're a company driver, owner operator, you know, whatever you might be, any, anybody with money. And the point was that a lot of people never get started on financial planning because they don't know what to do. You know, they, they, it sounds so confusing, investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, gold, silver, metals, you know, you see all these commercials and it's overwhelming. And, and the financial planning industry does it on purpose. They want you to be confused. They want you to believe that this is complicated and you have to pay them to manage your money. Well, the problem right. with that is, is it leaves out most of the, the middle class and under because we don't have enough money to pay somebody to manage our money. Those The people who manage money don't want to talk to you unless you have 100000 plus. So where does that leave You know, the average person and at least the average person doing almost nothing for retirement because they don't know what to do. So they never get started. And the, the, the key here, and and people should be excited about this is all you have to do is one simple thing and you will be more successful with your money than 90% of the population. And the one thing you have to do, and this, everybody can understand this. This is not complicated. The only decision you have to make to start doing better than everybody else with your finances is just pick what percentage of every check you're going to set aside and then set it aside. I don't care if you hide it in a coffee can in your freezer, put it in your mattress, bury it in the backyard. You don't have to invest it anywhere. The one simple fact is if you decide to set aside 10%, 15%, 8%, and you start doing it, every single check you get, no matter what, that percentage gets set aside and saved. And if you did nothing else for the rest of your life, you'd still be better off when you retired than about 90% of the population. Got you. Got you. That's pretty much what I've done as far as my, my maintenance fund. You know, uh, I have old four Volvo, but I have hundred and, um, you know, I had put money away. I, I just put 200 bucks into a maintenance fund, you know, regardless, just put yep. it in there. And um, I had a catastrophic um, engine breakdown. In fact, I, I when I purchased this truck back in '09, um, the owner 
I knew him very well, and he told me, he said, Paul, the only thing I would do if the roles were reversed is change those uh, main rods and bearings. And lo and behold, I bought it at, um, I think it was a little over 600,000 miles. And lo and behold, I didn't do it, and I got a million seven thousand out of it, and that's what happened. And so um, it, it cost me, I ended up putting a whole new engine in in the truck, but I had the funds to do it because I, I had already started putting that maintenance fund away. So I had the no. money to, you know, jump right into a new engine. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to buy, I, I listen to you periodically when I get a chance and I didn't, I didn't want to be one of those guys that buy a hundred thousand dollar truck and, and my, even my financial institution said, why don't you just do away with that old Ford and just buy a new truck? And I said, Kevin would kick my tail if I because I mean the, the 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 option was this: buy a hundred thousand dollar truck, and it stays it's under warranty, but ninety nine percent of the time it's in the in the shop under warranty, but I'm losing right. money because I'm not I'm, the wheels aren't turning, and you know the deal: if the wheels aren't turning, I'm not earning. You know, so yeah. um, I just put a, and and then the buy and then. Said, my wife said, well, why don't you just get rid of the truck and buy another used one? I said, no, contrary, I'm not going to do that because I'll end up buying somebody else's problem and right back where I'm where I'm leaving off now. So I, I invested in this truck. I know what I have, and I, you know, I put another trainee in it, and I'm, I'm yeah. rolling, you know? Excellent. So, Great so the same idea, you, you did exactly the same thing. You set a certain aside every single week for maintenance, and that's the key. It doesn't have to be a big amount. It just has to be consistent. And when you do it, everything changes. You know, there, there are so many opportunities people miss out on because they don't have any cash available. Let's uh, let's continue on with some phone calls. Let's go to Michigan. Dave, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, I uh, appreciate your taking the call. I um, was an owner-operator up to 99, and then some different issues happened, neither here nor there, and I've been a company driver up to this moment. I'm with a very good company. And uh, they're also, they have started an owner-operator program. They brought in other owner-operators from different companies that have, done pretty well and uh i bought a truck last year to put on over here and i'm I'm building it up i won't put it on until august sometime and i just had a call talk with the boss he showed me what my revenue per mile was i'm in the top five percent of the company as company drivers and he said uh my wife and i team we made a hundred thousand last year we're on track to make 125 if Everything is, we just got raises and uh, we're exceedingly happy as company drivers. Don't get me wrong. However, it's been my uh, belief that with my revenue per mile, which I just learned today, which is right in the ballpark of what I thought it was, we could do another hundred grand on top of that as owner operators. Sat down with him. He was talking. He says, I don't think you will. Um, We'd like to see you stay as company drivers, but let me show you figures. So he showed me the figures. The revenue that the truck brings total, like we're in a specialty market, is the same owner-operator company. If the company truck's making the same revenue as the owner-operators are, as gross revenue. But now your cost is the the big thing. Now, as I ran the cost down and talking to him, he says, well, you know, they're only going to keep 25% of that when they're all said and done. And that seems exceedingly low. I ran the numbers. I still come out somewhere between 20 
75 to 100 grand more as owner operator. Uh, we're talking my revenue um, per mile was a 314 last okay. year. All right. So that gives and, us some numbers to work with. And here's the thing at 25%, he is extremely low. I was able to keep 25%, and I had drivers in my trucks that I had to pay. But by managing my expenses really well and and tweaking things and doing all the things I talk about here on the air, I was able to get my expenses down so low, pay my drivers more than the norm for where we were so I didn't have driver turnover. And I was able to keep anywhere from 23 to 25%. And 25% was my goal. My worst year ever was about 19 Um, And that was because I just was totally unplugged from the business. I I was busy with other stuff. And and, and remember that the drivers were making about 30%. So, you know, more like the 55 to 60% profit before wages. And the goal I tell most owner operators being leased to a carrier, the goal target we shoot for is 50%. And a lot of people never get there, but if you do, you're doing extremely well. And so there is clearly a lot of room here for you to make much more money as an owner operator. Well, that's what I, especially my truck. Um, I've got an old one Volvo. I spoke to you before. Um, I I am going to do an engine swap on it and it's not going to be ready for a while. I have no issues with that. The company's taking care of me. The, uh, their cargo insurance is high. I've ran the numbers. I've run high numbers. You know, when I ran it down, I ran, you know, $4 a gallon. I've ran, you know, uh, my insurances. I know their cargo insurance is a little high because we haul some specialty stuff. And it varies a little bit per month. Um, I'm just not, you know, and I plugged high numbers and I came in at $1.59. And I hadn't added my wages into that. And that's high for me before I was looking at $1.80, which included my wages, uh, what, what we're making now. And, you know, uh, they're starting up a 401k program with a 50% match up to 5%. Um, you know, they've got a good vacation. They pay our motels. I mean, they're excellent company. I got no problems with that. And yet right. that next step up on a low cost, non or, uh, zero emission truck. Yeah. And here's the thing. And I, I hate to cut you loose with the music's playing. Um, this next step for you isn't as much about the money as it is about your lifestyle. It's about the challenge that that you want to move up to something new. Uh, The money will come, but you can make good money as a company driver here. You know it already. This is more about do you really want that challenge of the business? I got to go. Thanks for joining me. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody, here we go. Uh, Looks like we're doing pretty good on calls and questions. If you pressed one right now, you might have a shot. I'll uh, keep you updated as we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. 
We take your calls. We answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, a whole range of stuff. Anything you want to talk about, basically. I do like to say that the show is all about helping you be a better you. The idea of constant and never ending improvement. Can I? C A N I. Constant and never ending improvement. Taking each area of your life, breaking it down, looking at it, measuring it, and making little tiny improvements every day. That's how very successful people build very successful lives. And that's what I want to help you do. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give me a call. We've been talking about, um, you know, making those tiny little changes and measuring them and not getting too crazy about making too many big changes at once. Make little changes and measure them and do them consistently day after day after day. And just like we, we've all heard about the magic of compound interest with money, that same magic can work in any area of your life. Another thing that we are working on to help with this is it, it, it's hard to stay focused on these changes every day. Now, if we can stay focused long enough, they, the changes can become habits and then they become easy. We don't have to work so hard at them. And that's really our goal is to figure out the good things we should be doing in each area. For example, health and fitness, we should be eating better and exercising more. I mean, that's pretty general, but we need to create habits that help us eat better and exercise more. So one habit might be that you park as far away from the truck stop as you possibly can and walk around it once before you go in. Um, try not to get run over in a truck stop. We know how dangerous those can be. Um, but, but make a simple change. You know, as far as health, replace one diet soda or one soda every day with a glass of water instead. Little changes, but do them every day consistently. The consistently part is where most of us fall down. So one of the things we're going to do to help with this is we are going to start creating and managing mind and accountability groups. And you're going to hear more about this, but I, I've already started to design and work out the idea. I'm looking at different technologies now to make this happen. But for example, we would have a, a mastermind group of no more than 10 people. We would get together once a week for an hour. This is the criteria I'm setting up. We would use a video conference service like Google Hangouts or something like that. And we would have a, a couple major focuses behind this hour. And it would be a very structured hour. We're not just going to get together and BS and waste time. We're going to use this group in this hour for a couple things. First, we're, we're going to be working on a book together. And I've already created a book list that would last us about six months for these groups. So we can work on a book together. We can spend some time, you know, reviewing the book, what we've learned, um, helping each other out with the ideas in the book. Then we would have time to help each other out with business. That would be a structured part of the call. So if somebody is, uh, you know, maybe trying to land their first 
and they're not sure what to do, then other people in the group will help. And hopefully we have people in the group who are skilled at sales and have, have landed customers and they can help out. And then we'll, we'll hold each other accountable for our daily habits. For example, if your habit, if you're in a group and your habit was, and it doesn't matter what the group was about, we should always be following up on habits. That's a part of the accountability of the group. So, you know, each week you would have to report, hey, my, my habit was to drink 16 ounces of water every day. And, you know, out of the seven days, I managed to do it five and I missed two. And, and knowing that you're going to have to report that keeps you more accountable. Then my idea is we would also have penalties when you're when you don't follow through monetary penalties, you have to kick into a fund. And at some point, everybody in the group will decide to do something with that money. But we have to give back. We're not going to take it. Nobody's going to profit off this idea. Um, we're going to help manage all these groups, but we're not going to take any money for this. Um, all the money that gets raised, I want to give back to the trucking industry or back to worthwhile charities. So that's kind of a, a rough idea of what I want to do. Uh, and, and then what I'm looking for. So so I might run a group of 10, but I'm also looking for lots of other people to step up and lead groups of 10. And, and I'll keep you more informed about this idea and we'll uh, we'll probably do a podcast about it and get something up on the website as well. So stay tuned. Let's get to some phone calls. I'm going to head to Georgia. Jason, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? Doing good. What's on your mind today? I have uh, two questions. Uh, first one is I'm doing my um, corporate tax return, and I have wages and per diem that I'm trying to put into uh, TurboTax business. and uh, for whatever reason, I don't think it looks right. Or I, I'm putting the per diem in the wages category, but I don't think it goes there. But I can't. I don't see where the per diem should go under the wages category. Or, or there's there's several right. different uh, blocks where I, I could put different wages and, and uh, reimbursements, but I don't think per diem is a reimbursement, right? Am I correct? Well, per diem actually is a reimbursement. That's exactly what it is. So, but what we have to do is we have to figure out how you handled the per diem throughout the year. When, when your corporation paid you, uh, it paid you a wage and it withheld taxes. Did your corporation also pay you per diem? Yes. Okay. Um, why did you choose to do it that way and not just deduct the per diem? Um, I really don't have all that many personal deductions. I don't have a home mortgage. I don't have uh, right. so planning on taking the standard deduction. Okay. So on the corporate return, you could... Let me think about this because the for the corporation, the deduction for per diem is only 80% of what you paid. So it, it's just like if you if you take the deduction personally, you have to adjust it by 
the corporation that pays it to somebody can only deduct 80% of the right. amount. So what you could do, you could deduct 80% of the amount and add it to wages because the 80% is fully deductible, just like wages would be. So that's one of the ways you can do it. Calculate the 80% of the per diem, add it to the wages amount and enter that as an expense for the corporation. Okay, I get it. Next question is... Uh Going along with the topic of betting, bettering yourself, I am uh, starting Weight Watchers, and I wanted uh, your opinion on that, uh, on, the, on the program. You know, here's here's the thing, and I'm not completely familiar with, with all of these programs, but I, I'm pretty sure that Weight Watchers is like a lot of the other plans in that they provide you with food, correct? No, um, you get so many... Point oh, that's, that's for the, the point for the, for the day. And then, you know, everything has to be measured and everything yeah. has a point value. Got it. That's right. Okay. So I'm not a big fan of the, the companies that provide food. Uh, and I, so I don't want to throw Weight Watchers in with them. You're right. That's the point system. The reason I don't is I have looked at the food that, that comes with those meals and those diets, and it is horrendously unhealthy. It's very low in the things that will make you fat, but it's not healthy. It's highly processed and, and it's just not good. So those plans, I'm not a big fan of. Weight Watchers, you eat whatever you want. You just have points and you assign them. And, and so, yeah, that's, it, that's not a bad uh, way to do it because what you're doing is you're bringing it down to the numbers. You're measuring things. And when we measure things, it makes us accountable. Now, depending on you, your personality, um, let me, I don't want to rush this. So let me get to a break and I'll come back and we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, because this is a good question. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get back to uh, Georgia. Jason, you still with me? I'm here. Okay. So one of the things we have to look at is, is what works for us personally. And, and I'll give you a good example. Um, I love data and numbers as long as I don't have to work too hard to get them. Uh, because that I'm not very good at. So for me, when I started the whole fitness thing a couple months ago, the fitness bands are amazing for me. 
They measure all my steps, my activity, how many calories I'm burning all day long. And I have to do nothing. I put it on my wrist. I can watch the app on my phone. I can check it on my computer. I don't have to do any work. And all those numbers are just there for me. So I love that. Now, those apps also allow you to enter in all your calories, all the food. And, and the, the apps are pretty good. Like you pull down the menu on, on food and, and it's already all entered. Like you can pull fast food off. You can pull name brand food. You can pull generic stuff. And it tells you fat, calories, all that stuff. But it still work. I mean, you still have to remember what you eat. You have to go in there. You have to log it. I won't do that. It's just not going to happen. On the other hand, Lisa loves that. She goes in and she enters everything she eats. She enters all her water so she can track her water consumption for the day. So that's working really well for her. For me, no way. I wouldn't keep up with it. So the Weight Watchers thing for me wouldn't work. Because it's, it's, I, I just, I know I won't follow through on counting, measuring, figuring out the points. If you, if it works for you and you like it, absolutely do it. For me on the food side, I, I, I've, you know, at, at 12 years old, I was wrestling and managing my weight. So I, I pretty instinctively know how much I can eat to maintain my weight every day and how much I can eat if I want to lose weight every day. And, and I do pretty well at just monitoring my portion size and those kind of things without measuring everything. My wife is doing uh, the Weight Watcher. She's been doing it for several months now. So she's been um, doing all the measurings. She cooks all the food and everything, and she just tags me uh, a meal and, and freezes it. And when I come home, I fill up the refrigerator in the truck. And, and since I'm starting this, she can put how many points are in each container and then all i have to do is just pull out a container and warm it up and yeah and eat it yeah that's nice if somebody else is doing the counting for me i'd be fine with it yeah i think that's uh one of the major benefits because i get out here on the road and i i usually do regional short haul stuff and and when i'm doing lots of work in and out of the truck i forget to eat and then when i do eat i eat too much and and it's just uh, if I can pull something out of the refrigerator and put it in the microwave, I have better control over things. Absolutely. And, and you just hit on one that is a big issue for me. I do the same thing. I get too busy and I, I wait too long to eat and then I don't eat well. I overeat. I tend to crave more comfort kind of foods when when I wait too long. So the trick for me is making sure at the beginning of the day, I've got some, you know, grazing food, stuff I can just grab easily and eat. And as long as I kind of graze all day long, then I don't have uh, an issue with it. Let's go to Georgia. Daniel, welcome to the program. Uh, Mr. Rutherford, um, kind of got a whole bunch of things on my mind today and hopefully I can Get them all out to you. All right. Um, the other day, I was kind of trying to squeeze on fuel and trying to go as far as I could. And I, I was empty, but I was, with, I was. I'm a company driver with a 2012 Cascadia DD15 with a 10 speed, and I found myself like shifting out at about 13 or, or less, and pretty much staying right at around a thousand RPM, just kind of just chugging along, if you will. And I was wondering, is that too, too low? 
or is that going to hurt me or? Well, we don't know for sure. And the reason that I say that is every engine is different. Every situation is different. Um, The road service can make a difference. The wind makes a difference. The temperature makes a difference. The weight in the trailer makes a difference. I mean, there's all these variables. And and it's why we developed the ScanGage KR, because it gives us that instant feedback to let us know what works and what doesn't work. Some trucks and some situations, yeah, that'd be great fuel mileage. Other times, not so much. So what we've learned over the years is that there there is no magic sweet spot, that there isn't one RPM that gives us the best fuel economy. It is changing all the time. That's why learning how to drive for fuel economy isn't something that you teach somebody in a week or a month. It's something you learn over years of practice. You know, I've been doing this for years and years, but if I go out with my scan gauge KR and really focus and try new things, shifting at different times, those kind of things, I I still learn new ways to get better fuel economy. All right. Um, Along the same lines, I was actually going to go to my company to, because they're they're trying to save fuel wherever they can, but they have their trucks with overdrive and 336 gears and have us at, 60 like right at 63 which has me at uh 1300 i was wondering if i have them go to 264s with a direct drive which would put us at 1400 at the same speed if they might be able to see any uh economy differences out of that yeah they would i mean we know that direct drive itself improves fuel mileage by about three percent kind of tough to measure but you know they the what i really run up against is that many fleets just don't understand these technologies and they're just afraid of making changes. So yeah, it it would be an improvement. Getting the fleets to understand it sometimes can be pretty difficult. Let's go to Georgia. Richard, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, I got a question about a transmission. I'm going to pull off right here because I'm going to come in a dead spot so I won't lose you, but I currently have a nine-speed with 355 rears. Um, This is not a convertible nine-speed. The model number is RTX 16709B as in boy, P as in Paul. But I found a 13-speed on Craigslist that a guy is selling, and it's a RTX-913C, and I'm wondering if that transmission would work in this truck yes that that will work just fine and you said you had what gear ratio 355 okay yeah and that gives you a nice combination because with 355s you can run you know 55 to about 62 or 63 in 12th gear and, and get good fuel economy and if you need to go faster, you can run in 13th and, and still, you know, the faster you go, the more fuel economy we lose, but at least we keep it in the right gear and the right RPM that way. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just basically wanted to check with you and see if that trans- transmission would be, would be okay and everything. Yep, absolutely. And, and now here's the thing. Um, this is one of those things that, if it's going to cost you six or $7,000 to change this transmission, your break even is probably going to be two years or more. 
I mean, there's not a big advantage to doing this. There's a small advantage. And, and a lot of that depends on the operation. So it's not one of those things that I, I would recommend everybody with a nine or 10 speed run out and buy a 13. But if you need a transmission where you just want the drivability and, and the money isn't a big factor, but it's not one of those things that's going to give you any quick return on investment. Let's uh, let's go to Ohio. Lee, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good. What can I help you with today? I just wanted to chime in on what the gal said earlier that called in. I just, just uh, tuned in while she was talking. Uh, first, uh, she said, I walked away from the sodas altogether, and <clears throat> I definitely agree with that one. Um. They're, they're, it's just evil, boys and girls. You got to stop drinking sodas. It's it's not good for you. Um, it, it, it really it, it it's you know. And some people will say, "Oh, come on, it's not that big of a deal." It, it is. When, when you look at what how much sugar and all kinds of other junk you get in every soda, and then you realize some people are drinking four or five. The one guy today said twelve a day. Um, and you multiply that by seven days a week, 30 days a month, 365 days a year, and you've been doing it for 10 or 15 years. Now, see, yep. that's the opposite of the concept that I'm trying to get us to use to our advantage, the constant, never-ending improvement. We want to get a little better every day. That soda doesn't seem like a big deal. And people say, oh, come on, it's not that big of a deal, and I enjoy it. Well, I know you enjoy it, but... It is a big deal because little by little, one soda at a time, you're killing yourself. Quick road to diabetes, if you ask a lot of people. But I, yeah, hey, good, hold, hold that thought. I, I want to get to it, but I've got to get to a break. So stick around because I'm coming right back to you. We'll be right back. Kevin Rothman. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to head back to Ohio. Lee, go ahead. Hi. So uh, I just want to throw out there, there's some really cheap, almost usually free alternatives. I, I like regular water with just a twist of lemon in it. And uh, usually at these quick stop, uh, quick food places, we're kind of forced to deal with the truck stop chains. You can ask for a cup of ice water. It's usually free, not always. Um, and then some of the places... Uh, I like bubble water. I mean, people, I think a lot of the reason people like 
soda pop is because it's public. Well, get the soda water without the crap in it and a twist of lemon, or you got your own little squirt bottle of lemon. I mean, there are always alternatives. You know, that's my, my, my message with this. You know, and that that's the one that works for me. And, and, and the funny thing is, is I grew up on soda. Horrible, horrible diet when I grew up. I look back at my childhood, and it's a wonder I survived at all. Um, but, but once I got into high school kind of, and wrestling was an issue and I was always watching my weight and working out, I, I really started to cut weight back on the sodas. By the time I was in the military, I wasn't drinking them at all anymore. And I didn't really make it a point to, um, I just don't like sweets much and I've lost my taste for sweets. So sodas were too sweet for me and I would never drink diet. So I just start, you know, slowly realized I don't drink much soda anymore, but I do like carbonated water. And there's a Costco carries a brand that is just carbonated water with a little bit of flavoring, no sugar, no xylitol, no fake stuff, just carbonated water and a little bit of fruit flavoring. And that to me is really satisfying and it's just water. Yeah, I'm a real fan of Costco myself. They treat their people well. Uh, I can appreciate that Walmart lets us park in their parking lots, at least for now. But your money's better spent at, at places like Costco that have good products. And Oh, check out their flashlights. My God, I got a 1,000 lumen flashlight at Costco for $29, guys. It's like a car headlight in your hand. Yeah, and, and you're right. I like your comment about uh, Costco. Is uh, uh, When you look at their corporate culture, it's a very well-run company. It is, and they treat their people well. Yep. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is real quick, also uh, chiming in on what the gal was saying earlier about electronic logs. I just left a job where I've been on people not electronic logs for the past five months. Um, I got used to it. I hated that 30-minute thing, too, and it's it's kind of tricky. But usually you can stop right there on the ramp, and at the time it takes you to wait through a traffic light, you can switch that thing to off-duty. It'll allow you a mile or two. By the time you get parked in the truck stop, you've already got five minutes of your 30-minute break out of the way. Go in there and take a quick shower or whatever. Use your time wisely. It's not that hard. Well, that's let, let me jump in right there because I, I just talked about one of the best ways to make improvements is not to try to cut stuff out of your life. It's just to try to add better things. And if you keep adding better things, you'll push out all the bad things eventually, and, and you won't feel like you're giving something up. So here's the thing. Everybody wants to complain about this 30 minutes we've been forced to take. Well, I don't like being forced to do anything either. But if I am, I'm going to start using the time to my advantage. So we know that reading is a good thing to do. We know that deep breathing is a good thing to do. You'd be surprised how much just breathing would help. We, we tend to get into this very shallow breathing pattern where we breathe just into the top part of our chest. We'll take a couple minutes and take real deep cleansing breaths during this 30 minutes. It's great for you. Go walk. Go meditate. Meditation is excellent. This is a great time to just sit someplace quietly, close your eyes, and try not to think about anything. That's actually all meditation is, is, is trying right. not to a thought at all. Okay, one last cautionary tale for those diehards that are going to stick with the paper logs till, till the bitter end when they, they actually force them to get away from it. Fine, guys, I love a loose-leaf log too. But <clears throat> what I have found is that nowadays the cops all have laptop, laptops with the right cord and everything, and they can patch right into your ECM. If 
you get inspected either after after incident or random around back at the scale house, whatever. If that cop hooks that thing up to your truck, your logbook doesn't match what that ECM says that truck's been doing for the past 24 hours, you're screwed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even before we go to electronic logs, all you have to do is look around, and there are dozens of ways that that you could be proven to be lying on your logs. It's not like 20 years ago where you could really get away with this stuff. I mean, we have traffic cameras all over the place. We have electronic tolls. I mean, the ECM is holding all kinds of information. There, there all, all the receipts that are out there with timestamps. There are so many ways yeah. now for them to, to prove that they're cheating. That's right. So you might as well get used to doing it legally. That's just this, the way the industry is going. Um, yeah. So, and, anyway. and that was really, yeah, that was really my point. I, I wasn't saying that I agree with this. I, I've been the one to say, I wish we'd just eliminate hours of service completely, but we have to deal with reality. And if, if reality is we're getting electronic logs and that's what it looks like, I would certainly start getting used to this now. Get the learning curve over with before you're forced to do it. And everybody else is forced to do it at the same time. Let's go to Missouri. Roland, welcome to the program. Uh, hey, Kevin. Hey there. What can I help you with today? Um, I purchased a truck October of last year and put it on the road in November. And purchase price on the truck was uh, fourteen grand. i am just trying to figure out the best way to enter that into the profit cases. Uh, did you pay cash for the truck or are you making payments on it? Uh, I paid cash. You know, if I pay cash for something that big, I don't put it into profit gauges at all. Um, It's it's not really relevant right now to my day to day operation. It's a done deal. I already bought it. The money's all spent. It's not, you know, I'm probably not going to spend money on another truck for a couple of years buying one. So I I don't even put it in um, because it like I say, it really doesn't affect my business report every day. All we need to remember, and it's, I don't think you'll forget it, is we just need to enter it as a depreciable asset on the tax return when that happens. Okay, and it's a three-year asset? Yeah, yep. Okay. All right, well, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, uh, you know what? I'm looking at the clock, and I've... Uh, I've got a couple things I want to talk about. So I'll take us into the break and then we will come back and we'll get to more of your calls and questions. Um, I'd love to have you go check out the website and our new network, the Audio Road Network. Uh, We are adding shows. We've got about seven shows right now that we're doing every week. And We are going to continue to add, but right now we're taking a little bit of a break um, from adding new shows and we're tweaking everything we've got now. So we're tweaking, you know, just some of our methods. We're tweaking our audio quality, trying to get everything down. We're working on our app, Uh, but there are tons of of podcast apps out there to to use. So the, the first trick is to go to the website, letstruck.com, check out the shows. 
what I'd love to have you do is just listen to each show. And if you like it, continue listening. There's lots of episodes there already. You can go back to them all. Uh, this is going to be a big challenge, building out this network. And, and we know it. This is going to be a major project for the next several years. And a, a lot of it has to do with cost. I mean, it's just going to take us a lot of time and a lot of money to build this. And, and right now, I don't need your financial support yet. All I need is your support. All I need you to do is go listen to the shows. Because if we get enough people listening and we get enough interest, we can go out and generate some money to help us pay for this. And, and I don't want to charge anybody for the podcast. I want to make this information available free. So again, I don't need your money. I just need your support. Go to the website, letstruck.com. Listen to the shows. If you like them, subscribe to them. If you really like them, review them for us in iTunes. Uh, even if you hate them, review them in iTunes so I know why you hate them. Um, so again, it's letstruck.com. It's the Audio Road Network. We're, we're just starting lots of new and exciting shows. We have a show about working with brokers. We have, uh, uh, and that's Chad Boblet doing Brokers and Beyond. Um, we have Kenny Long doing a show, Trucking with Authority, talking about running a trucking company as a carrier. Uh, Rico Muhammad is doing Rates and Lanes. Kim Cockerham, part of our Let's Truck team, is doing Destination Health. I'm doing The Road Scholar. Uh, Mike Beckett and his son, Kevin Beckett, are doing uh, The Rolling Toe. Bruce Mallinson at Pittsburgh Power is going to be starting a show. We've got lots of great stuff coming up on the network. But I your help. Go to letstruck.com and start listening. Support our network. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get uh, right back to some phone calls. Let's head off to uh, Melissa. Welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. This is Melissa. I'm in Texas, and uh, you're doing some really interesting stuff right now with um, all the, you know, road road work or whatever road radios yeah the road scholar and the audio road network yeah and i'm kind of trying to rake my brain to see what i can do to contribute and i came up with the idea of doing um like the comfort improving comfort and okay. livability on the truck okay so you know it could it would involve like doing the research into what new innovations are there to, and how people design trucks for um, comfort, what all goes into it, and what are some aftermarket additions for for this um, particular you know topic. I think 
I, I think that's a great idea. And, you know, one of the things that we're finding, and, and this is just kind of big picture thinking, and it, it's one of the things that kind of drives a lot of what we do, is that as life gets more and more complicated, and, and look around, our lives are pretty complicated these days. Yeah. You know, I think back to when I was growing up and, you know, your parents might have had you know, six bills that they paid every month. You know, they paid the mortgage, they paid the electric, they paid the water, paid insurance, and, and you were about done. I, I look at my checking account these days and, and I've got so many things, services, subscriptions, apps, devices. <laughs> Our life is so complicated. We have, you know, I have 17 different email addresses to keep up on of phones and text messages. And there's so many products available to us. And, and, Think about food. You know, when I was growing up, food was pretty limited. Uh, you know, you didn't have the, the availability of stuff we have now, dragon fruit and, you know, all these exotic all over the world and different seafoods and meats. Every area of our life has been bombarded with so many options and so many choices. And what that's done is that a lot of people kind of shut down. There's too many choices. I'm not going to make any. I, I don't know what to do. So people are looking for advice. They're, they're looking for other people to go out, figure this stuff out, make a recommendation, yeah. and tell them why they should do something. And if you look at our show, that's what our show's always been about. I mean, I, I started yeah. with taxes is a very complicated subject. I went and learned it, tried to make it as simple as I could, and then helped people with it. And then it was fuel mileage and then it was trucks and then it was tires. And, you know, now we're talking about health and I'm testing the fitness bands, and food and people really want and need advice and reviews because our life is too complicated for everybody to know, you know, much about anything anymore. Well, that's what the blogs were all about, you know, people going out, doing research and posting their findings. And if the blog was right and it met the people's needs, they subscribed to it and went to, to that particular blog to find out. So some people make a living just doing that. But, you know, with this idea that I have, I'm wondering how much time would it take for one of your shows in terms of preparation and all that. I mean, you can put hours and hours still doing the research. I'm still a driver and running my own company. So, you know, I am kind of like wondering the contributors to this network that you're trying to build, you know, what, what does it involve and how much time will one has to put into it? Well. You know, it, it really depends on a lot of things that the topic, obviously, but also, you know, your background in the topic, because for me, um, just to give you an example, if I want to just go on the air and start talking about fuel mileage or taxes, topics I always talk about, I don't have to do any prep anymore. I mean, I've talked about those topics for so long that I can go on and just answer questions sure. and talk. But that doesn't mean I don't do research. I still research most every day. But if, if I get to a day and I don't have time, I know I can just go do a show without doing a lot of prep. On the other hand, my, my show for The Road Scholar, where it's a book review, 
I mean, that takes me a ton of prep. Uh, the average book is three to 400 pages. So I read uh, on a really good day. I can read about a hundred pages an hour um, and still comprehend most of it. So, I mean, that's four hours for me just to get through the average book. And I read fast. Um, then I have the time to take the notes. Then I have the time to work out, you know, interview questions if I'm going to have on. So for an hour show on the Road Scholar, I might end up with anywhere from six to 10 hours of prep just for one show. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. So it really depends on the topic. For example, like Kenny Long is doing a show on authority and Kenny does a ton of research. I mean, I, I would venture to say that Kenny probably has four to five hours of prep for every show he does. On the other hand, there are topics that would be easier to do. If, if it's a topic that people have a lot of questions about, then you don't have to do as much prep as long as you're uh, able to answer their question. I just know that when we do book reviews, we don't get a lot of questions. So I, I have to, yeah. to talk. Well, uh, I'm thinking about... I'm thinking about start maybe in that, I mean, would you, would you consider, I mean, would you think that it would be a good idea to start a blog in conjunction with the radio show, you know, or one of those um, yes. podcasts? Yes, I do. Um, and the reason being, and, and this is one of those areas where I tried to take my own advice and I can't. I, I think a blog is a great idea for a lot of reasons. The most important is it helps you get your own ideas together. And, and writing things down, good. I talk about it all the time. So if you're going to do a blog, that means you're going to be writing. In order to write, you have to think. In order to think, you have to prepare. And that writing will just make you better prepared. Now, the reason I don't take my own advice, I hate time. writing. With, uh, yeah, well, I could make the time. That's not an excuse. It, it, okay. I, hate I just hate Right. So I've tried it. I, I've tried every trick. I've tried to get help with training on it. I've tried everything and I just don't like it. So for me, I'm going to skip the blog. I, I'd rather talk than write. Yeah. I'd rather read than write. So, but I think blogs are great. And I think writing is good. If you like to write, I would start with the blog. Here's the other idea that I think could help people a lot. I, I've been talking about the mastermind group. And I think that tying a mastermind group to a podcast will will allow us to do a lot more podcasts. Here's what I mean. Let's say if you look at this topic and you think, boy, that's going to be a lot of work. I don't know if I have time to do all the research. What if you started a mastermind group, found 10 other people who are interested in the topic? You guys get together once a week and talk about it. Now you have 10 people to help prepare for a podcast. Well, the amazing thing is when you post a question on a Facebook nowadays, it's like you get about 100 and, oh, 200 replies, and they're all to the topic, and everybody's contributing. I mean, that's a gold mine in itself, you know, for information as well. It is. And yeah, no question. And And I can see us, you know, again, I can see us having a mastermind group, a podcast and a Facebook group all around one topic where people share their ideas and ask questions and help each other out. And, and we just start to take all of these 
these technologies that for some people, they're actually very disruptive and they're they're making their life worse. You know, I see people who are so, so focused on their phone and Facebook and Twitter and messages that they're not even accomplishing anything anymore. So on yeah. one hand, technologies could be very disruptive and unhealthy for us, or we can take some control of these technologies and manage them and use them to our benefit instead. Well, Kevin, uh, this is one of the topics that I'm interested in. And if I had some focus or some goal to work towards, I'll put my effort into it. So, you know, is there a place where I can contribute, you know, formally and you can instruct me how to proceed on this? Uh, yeah, we uh, start to put together some ideas. Give me an outline of what your show would be about. And I know you just told me, but I, again, I need to see it in writing to put together an outline of what your show would be about, what topics you would cover. Do you want to do a 30 minute once a week? Do you want to do an hour once a month? Let me know what kind of schedule you think you could do. If you wanted other people involved, write it all up in an outline, a proposal of sorts and send it to support at letstruck.com. And that goes for anybody who's got an idea for a mastermind group, a podcast, any of those things. Send your ideas to support at letstruck.com. Thanks for joining me. I'm all out of time. I'll see you back here next time. Be safe, be profitable, do the hard work, and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.